and the king. And so, the first king of Israel is? Who's the first king of Israel? Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel. And so, who is his prophet? Remember? Samuel. Samuel, if you want to contribute too, Jamie. Um, I've got something to say. He has actually started talking, and it's very opportune, actually, that he should do so um, by Father's Day. He started saying dada. So, <laughs> so he, he got in just in time, and I appreciate the Father's Day present. Has he? Has he? Oh, God bless him. God bless him. Uh, yes, happy Father's Day for all those as well. I will get to that um, soon. Not during the message, but during the prayers. So, um, so where was I? Samuel. So, just as a matter of, you know, out of interest, out of curiosity, Samuel is the last judge. Because remember, there were judges. You know, Samson is a judge. Um, Gideon is a judge, etc., etc. Samuel is also a judge, but he's the last of the judges because the role of judge was was what something that the king took over. So Samuel stops being a judge and now he starts being a prophet because now there is a king. And what is the role of the prophet? It is to speak to the king the message of God because the king is always going to be wayward, is always going to uh, serve their own ends, is always going to find it hard because they've got the people, uh, just like in Moses' time as well, wandering through the wilderness, um, claiming certain things. Why have you done this? Why have you done that? Uh, the king is a politician. And the politician always needs the voice of the prophet to speak to them the word of God and to tell them that what they're doing uh, is not entirely right or is not entirely on the path of God and they need to change their ways. They need to be called back to the path of God, which is uh, for them the law of God. And, uh, and, so, and, and this is something that Jesus himself picked up. Jesus himself uh, mirrored a lot of his ministry, in fact, on the role on the on Jeremiah's life, and it's um, as you go through your own reading of Jeremiah, maybe you could see too some similarities between Jesus and Jeremiah. The Lorax is a prophet to the onceler. This this person who has all this power and gaining all this uh, notoriety for himself, this person who has the ability to change this activity that's going on, this destruction of uh, the truffle trees, this uh, and and all of and all that that is entailing in terms of what it's doing to the sky and what it's doing to the barbalutes and what it's doing to the swami swans and the hummingfish, uh, all of the, uh, the, the whole environment. And uh, the Lorax is there, continually speaking. I speak for the trees and I also speak for these things as well. You need to change your ways. Jeremiah is much the same. Sometimes, as I was reading that, uh, the, the story of the Lorax, maybe you were thinking to yourself that sometimes you feel a little bit like the Lorax himself. Maybe you feel like you you continually sort of on about these particular things that you're very passionate about or feel very strongly about, these things that you believe matter, and sort of hammering away, hammering away, hammering away. Um, maybe, maybe you feel like you're a bit of a nag maybe or you're sort of pestering on about these things. Some of us maybe feel a little bit like the onceler the Wansler, of course, uh, didn't believe they were doing anything bad. They were, they were just sort of going on about their business as such, uh, trying to do their best, trying to use their gifts uh, and the things that they were talented at, uh, but always constantly being told that they're doing the wrong thing 
or that they need a change in some way. Maybe you feel a little bit that way. Sometimes I reckon in life, you know, we can be a little bit like the Lorax. Sometimes we can be a bit like the Wunzler as well. And to be really confusing about it and complex, stay with me on this. Sometimes we can believe we're the Lorax when in fact we're actually the Wunzler behaving really badly. And at other times we can believe and or identify with the Wunzler being told that we're the ones doing something wrong when in fact we're the Lorax and we need to speak up. The danger comes when we start to close doors and when we start to become deaf to the voices who challenge us. Danger also becomes when we assume that we're right and they, whoever they are, are wrong. And danger is also inherent when we become the voice of, say, someone like the Lorax himself because when we take a strong stand uh, on something, we no doubt... I would say, believe that our motives are pure, our intentions are right, but for all of us we're all susceptible to self-deception, to justifying our stance on whatever it might be for our own agenda or for things that are related to us, whatever that might be. Because unfortunately for all of us, human beings, we're sinful. And at the heart of us, again, it's... uh, It's a revelation, but we're all self-centred people. And uh, the challenge uh, is that when the pressure's on, it's very easy to revert to base instincts, to place ourselves in our own interests or those things that that are fears or or anxieties, they can become drivers for us and they can can work themselves out and even just the survival of the fittest, that, that kind of a base instinct. And if we don't deliberately, if we're not aware of this, then this thing can sort of run our lives. But, uh, but with God's help and God's grace and the grace of other people as well, we can attend to those things. We can name those fears, become completely aware of them and name them and then make steps appropriate in our lives to do what we need to do and that is to submit ourselves to God again and to Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in Galatians, which we covered a couple of weeks ago, in chapter 5 says these words, to be, uh, you'll be reminded of them perhaps, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't use your freedom as, a, as an opportunity for self-indulgence, as an opportunity to serve yourself. But through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. When Paul says that in Galatians, it's in the context of, of relationships and conflict. And one way to interpret that is don't use your freedom in Christ or, or the fact that you believe you're saved or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saved by God. Don't use that as an excuse to just do whatever you like, to tell people off and to point out other people's wrongs as an example. Don't do that. Rather, use that freedom that you've been given in Christ, that salvation that you're receiving, use it as an opportunity to serve because the whole law that Jeremiah was going on about, that the prophets were going on about the kings, the whole law is summed up in this one verse, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. So become slaves to one another, Paul says. And this is the appropriate thing to do. It's about, again, submitting ourselves to the Spirit, submitting our will and our lives to Christ, and to recognise and acknowledge that no one is without sin. And when we see sin all around us, we, we, we must be very careful to never exclude ourselves from that picture. Uh, It's very easy to see sin out there. Uh, It's harder to acknowledge the sin in here. Jesus talks about this 
in uh, Matthew 7, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, Why do you see the speck in your neighbour's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbour, Here, let me take the speck out of your eye, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbour's eye. Sometimes we think in, in, that our, our mission, uh, and unfortunately Christians are very, very uh, guilty of this, sometimes we think it's our mission to point out other people's wrongs. You know, God's forgiven me and forgiven my sin, I'm a sinner. Hey, you're a sinner too, let me point that out for you. Um, let me do you a gift and, let me, and, I'll, and I'll do so in love. You know, we, could, we can sort of go under the guise of this, uh, I'm doing this in love business, when really it's not our place to necessarily do that. Uh, to point out other people, we've got to we've got to face our own sin, and uh, and this is where it comes to this this word here tonight from Jeremiah chapter four about the dynamic of how do we receive challenging, confronting, hard words from God? How do we receive them, particularly when they come through other people? How do we receive them, or or, or from Scripture, or wherever they might be? How do we receive them? Because it's really easy. Uh, and a great temptation, I use that word very deliberately, a great temptation for us to receive a hard word and to say, it's not for me, it's for that person. Or it's for those people, or that group, or that organisation, or, or whoever, or that business. And we can see ourselves and define ourselves as a bit of a Lorax. And make a stand. And we can see all the wrong out there when it's my conviction that when we receive these hard words from God, these difficult, challenging, confronting words, messages from Jesus Christ, when we receive them, that we do so in a frame, in a, in a, a framework of uh, not applying it to my neighbour or the neighbour, however you want to define that, but applying it to me. So when God speaks a hard word to me, it's not about speaking through me to you, it's about speaking to me about me. First at least. First at least. And so in that sense, in that very specific sense, I am God's first priority. I am God's first priority when it comes to those things. And if I could... um, indulge a little bit here. This is something that I experience on a weekly basis. Whenever I get up and occupy this space here and I talk to, and I talk to us, I talk to you all, and I'm preparing messages and things, uh, more often than not I'll pause mid-sentence or mid-thought and think to myself, what? where is the message for St. Mark's here? Why, you know, all I feel like I'm doing here is just receiving messages for myself because how can how you know how can I how dare I, you know, tell about this or say this uh, with all integrity when I know that in my own life in my own heart there's things that this applies to me just as much. So how dare I do that? And I and very early on I have to uh, confess I really struggled with that dynamic, um, not when I first started preaching because it's just a who am I? Like, who am I to? You know, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm a, I'm a sinner and, and Paul the Apostle is a great example of this too. He calls himself the worst sinner out of everyone. You know, worse than anyone. Um, but uh, 
You know, whenever we receive a message from God or other people, we need to always, always, always ingest it for ourselves. And it's not just something that we sort of apply to ourselves, but it needs to become part of our being. And it, and it needs to be something that we allow to shed light on us, on our heart, on those dark places, those, those dark corners in our life that we, that we want to keep hidden, uh, that we want to keep tucked away. We need to submit ourselves to that word and receive it for ourselves. Because when we do so, then we can, uh, then we can be in a, in a more appropriate place to pass that message on to others because now we know that we're not excluded from this message that we might be able to pass on or give to someone else. In that passage from Matthew 7, Jesus doesn't say, just deal with your own log, with your own log in your eye and don't worry about anyone else. He, he does go on to say, remove the log from your own eye and then you'll be able to see clearly to help the speck out of, out of your neighbour's eye. There is a place for us to address things amongst us, whether it be behaviour or whether it be attitudes or whatever it might be. There is a place for that in the Christian community. It's all about how do we do that. How do we do that? How do we receive those things? Because no one, and, and I know that, you know, we're not, uh, you know, we don't deceive ourselves in thinking that no one is without sin. But sometimes we can pretend, though. You know, sometimes we can pretend. Uh, I'm not as sinful as. And so therefore my sin is not as bad as, or, or maybe not as heavy as, or, or, or of a lesser value or something like that. You know, we're all sinful and we all need God's grace. And when we are able to receive those difficult words like these words here from Jeremiah about how bad things have got, that it's basically going back to before creation. Things have become completely undone. The consequences of the nation of Judah are such that their disobedience to God is now resulting in, the, in creation itself becoming undone. It's now going back to the formless and void part of Genesis chapter 1, verses 2. It's now going back to that. There's no more light. There's no more order. The, everything's moving and rocking around because of the disobedience of this people, of the people of God. We need to get ourselves right with God, Jeremiah is saying. People of Judah, you need to get yourself right with God. That's why things are, are going to go bad, really, really bad. And not just for you, but the whole earth as well. Uh, things are going to go really bad. You need to get yourself right with God and receive God's grace again because these challenging words, these confronting words are an opportunity. It's a gift. It's a gift to get right with God. It's a gift, um, it's a, a gracious time to receive God's grace, to know that you are a forgiven people though you've gone astray, that God uh, is again telling you this, warning you about this, this you know, the last truffle of tree is about to go down. There's time to turn things around. There's time to turn things around. So for us, some questions. How will we receive words from God when we find them difficult or hard? Will we hear them as a gift and receive them as a gift? Will we hear them as misguided words? You're talking about someone else. You don't know what you're talking about. Will we accept them? Will we dismiss them? Will we meditate on them or will we shelve them? Will we pray about them? Where is prayer uh, in our 
reception of things of, of the things of God, uh, when things are told to us, where is prayer in that for us? Will we use these words, and this one today even from Jeremiah, as moments of God's grace, as opportunities to submit ourselves again to God and to kneel at the feet of God and the Lord Jesus Christ? Will we submit ourselves to God as people who are willing to hear hard words and also willing to bear hard words, difficult words, challenging words, words of correction? Will we... Will we use them, these words, and be prepared to be the mouthpiece of God? Are we prepared to speak for God, in other words? Because if you see the Lorax, uh, you'll see that he gets mistreated. His hard words that he gets, that he, you know, he gets, it's pretty, it's, it's funny, but it's, you know, violent as well, you know, for a, for a cartoon. Uh, you know, he gets mistreated. He gets booted out, he gets flown away, he gets rejected. Are we willing? Everything is falling. What's going on here? All creation is coming undone. God, are you talking to us? Things are falling down everywhere. Are we willing to bear the hard words and to be the ones who speak on behalf of Jesus? to people and to situations where most likely it's going to be rejected, uh, where it's not going to be highly accepted or accepted by the majority. Are we willing to be in that place, that really awkward, awkward place? Are we willing to be there? Because there are instances and times when Jesus, God, is looking for his church to stand up and to say, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Sorry, something needs to change here. And to speak to those who are in power and who have the ability to make change. Are we willing to be that kind of a church? Every church is willing. Every church is able, I should say. Every church is able because we're empowered by the same Holy Spirit who is directing us and is guiding us and enabling us to stand up for Jesus to be his body, his physical presence in the world, which is not just about actions. It's also about words as well. There we go. It's also about words as well. One last thing is a question of discernment. How do we discern these words? What do we do with them? I talked about prayer before. But how do we discern when a word is from God or it's from some other source? What do we do? Some things for us to consider and to take away. I think first and foremost we need to ask ourselves, is this a word that points us and directs us to Jesus? That needs to be a first thing. Does this direct us to Jesus? Is God at the centre of this word? How does this word or this challenge stand up in the light of the death and resurrection of Jesus? Does this word promote the flesh or does it promote the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit? Some questions for us to, to consider about discerning these things. If we will speak for God as the Lorax spoke for the trees, then we must first submit ourselves to God and to God's word and to rely on God's grace so that God's grace becomes the undercurrent of our life so that when we speak these challenging words or confronting words for others, we do so from a place of grace. We do so from a place where we know that we are sinners. No one's perfect. And we all stand before the judgment of God. 
And it is only God who is the judge. And we are people who stand amongst other people, the whole community. And together we're going to be held accountable. And uh, I said this this morning too. You know, at the end of our lives, we're going, to, we're going to be standing before God and we're going to have to give an account of our lives, personal, family, community, and we're going to, and, and we're going to have to give an account for that. Do we want to get to that point and look back on our lives and say, oh, if only, if only, if only. You know, if only I did this or made that different choice there, there, there. How about we live in light of that now? And how about we live in light of that forgiveness and that grace that we're going to receive there in its fullness? How about we live in light of that now, if we're not already? And let's live lives that are worthy of Jesus Christ. And let's be a church that's worthy of Jesus Christ, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God. And let's put aside fears. Let's put aside anxieties. And let's live in the fullness of the light of Christ. Let grace rule. Amen. God is good and God is generous with us and God is gracious. Let's respond to God and let's offer our lives to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you have given all to us. You've given your whole life um, and, uh, and it uh, climaxed in your death on the cross. Uh, you took our place. The judgment that was reserved for us, you took for yourself. 